Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Having just listened to this podcast, I realise I've got a really, I got a really bad cold, and also the pop filter on this uh, this microphone. I got a new pop filter; is not very, not very poppy. So it's very poppy. So I do apologise for the recording of this. It's very it sounds very like nasally, and uh, there's some popping, and there's all sorts of there was some coughing, but I managed to edit that out. So there might be some weird bits where it sounds a bit weird, like I'm going into. Like I sound like share or something. So anyway, let's do a, if you can't deal with this podcast, then I'm sure there'll be another one along shortly. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Psychovertical Podcast. It's me, Andy Kirkpatrick, back again. Uh, oh God, that's not good, is it? My phone's gone off straight away. Oh God, what's going on? Uh, I'll keep this in. No, I'll cut it out. You'll never know it happened. Uh, let me just check my phone. Um, oh, that's interesting. Um... Oh god, I've got, I've got, I've got back into, I've gone back to the dark side. I've gone back to having a a, a smartphone, which is which is not not being good. The reason the reason I went back to a smartphone was, I just found like t- trying to do like banking, like every time you want to buy something, every time you wanted to do something with your bank, the, like my bank, a bank of Ireland, you had to sort of. You always have to be getting sent codes and swiping this and swiping that, and I and I had it onto my wife's smartphone, which is not very smart because then she could every time I bought something she'd be like, "What the hell's this? What's this? You're bloody buying here some kettle? What's a kettlebell? We have I, you're not getting into bell ringing or something, are you?" So, um, yeah, so I had to get my own phone, and I also I, I when I listen to podcasts, which just probably do about three hours of listening to podcasts every day i i was having to upload it into some sony like waterproof mp3 player earphone things um which just be which was just a bit of a pain it was very old school it was like sony stuff it always reminds me of like how things used to be technology where you're always having to find it on your computer and nothing ever seemed to connect like that was a good thing about apple when apple things started appearing normal people had them you could things just seemed to work where before that nothing ever worked you'd buy some bit of technology and you'd have to have like a huge vga cable then you'd then you wouldn't have an you'd have to get an adapter and then that you'd have to get a new you know like card for your computer and by the time you got it all to all to work like the technology was didn't work anymore you know so it was so it was a constant battle for that so yeah so i i yeah unfortunately i i managed to i've had to well i i did go back to having a smartphone and when you don't have a smartphone, it's a little bit like, it's a little bit like <laughs> everyone's like, you know, shooting up all the time. And you go like, oh, that's a bit antisocial. Like just sitting on, sitting in my city, you come come to visit for the weekend and you're just sitting on the city, like shooting up. Um, but, you know, so 
so you but you but you end up like sat next to them like shooting up going oh it's good this isn't it it's good to get get tiktok on oh i've got a bit of tiktok so it's uh so yeah so 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 not only was i able to be judgmental for a few years not having a smartphone it's it's kind of doubly bad now because i'm just i i know i should know better and i'm and i'm doing it now so and also i'm a, and vanessa can always tell she's like you're not present you're you're thinking about something or you're and it's probably because i'm be i'm like arguing with somebody on uh i've been arguing with somebody like sometimes i'll, I'll get into like a an argument with some with somebody or not an argument but i'll just someone will say something like you're a nazi and uh it'll um uh it'll sort of i'll sort of dwell on it so anyway if you call me nazi just you know i, I hate to admit it but these things do do you know they do kind of affect me because i'm a sensitive person like am i a nazi like you know so um so yes yeah, so, so i'll be away i'll be awake at like two in the morning going am i a nazi am i a nazi and uh you know so, so i'll be having breakfast instead of looking at my two children and my beautiful wife you know i'll be thinking am i a nazi am i a nazi am i a nazi so it's um so yeah so which is like you're not you're not present like you're you're, you're somewhere else i'm like am i a nazi vanessa am i a nazi and she, you know vanessa like, i don't think vanessa knows what a nazi is a nazi what's a nazi so um probably think it's like a game like a sort of board game so uh so yeah so i, I need to sort of knock that on the i need to knock the phone on the head um, so I need to some, I guess I'll have to just go back to, I don't know, you'd, I don't know, I can, maybe I'll just need to just get loads of like cash and just start, or getting loads of like traveller's checks or something or post office things and start sending them to people or something. I don't know, you are, it is like the mafia, you get really pulled into this kind of world of of like of having to have a phone and uh, I'm not really bothered. Like my, my brother-in-law, we were once going, driving somewhere and we were lost and I was like, put on your, uh, Put on Google Maps because I didn't have a because I didn't have a <laughs> I had a dumb phone I couldn't go use Google Maps. I was like put on Google Maps and uh, work out where we're going. He was like, oh no, I don't put um, I don't put anything on any Google things on because they can track me or something. So I, I probably got that from probably got that from each other that kind of mental thing. And I'm um, you know so you know I'm like I'm sure they can track you anywhere you know. And I, I am I a Nazi and um, so yeah. It's funny the Nazi thing. I know anybody who's listened to this podcast in the past will probably have heard the story about how my granddad actually <laughs> he was a Nazi. He wasn't a Nazi. He was a communist, which is kind of a Nazi. Um, that's technically not true. Anyway, so uh, yeah, cult commun you know communists and Nazis they're all the same to me. Um, but I'm just ignorant. I, I just kind of look at how things seem, and that's what I go go by rather than what people tell me. Um, yeah, but my 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 granddad actually did fight Nazis in the streets of Hull, while in in a field in Hull, in a famous famous riot between the probably the communists, the communist dock worker worker types, union people, and uh, and uh, Oswald Mosley. But that's it. You know, it's a good, it's a, it's a cool story. Anyway, so so I'm sure I'm not a Nazi because I think you know, like when you're when you hear a story like that when you're a kid, you know, you don't want to be like on the other side of what your granddad, you know, you got your granddad like going, oh, I never thought you'd turned into Nazi, you know, all that kind of stuff. I like we from a Sheffield, Sheffield granddad. So, um, come on, love, you know, give up this old Nazi malarkey. Anyway, so, so yeah, so um, 
I I do I have become a bit radicalized recently because for some reason since the whole um guide gate that happened a few a few weeks ago which has not um continued it's not been good uh, that that whole thing um I did it was inter- I did have some kind of interaction with somebody um uh on on Instagram um in that it was a woman who's a guide who basically uh you know was like you're a I feel <laughs> you know I feel sorry for you are you okay you know you must you're such a bitter twisted misogynistic asshole nazi type person blah 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 and for, I I have some faith in humanity because I did start trying to I try to explain that the whole point of what I was saying was it doesn't um it doesn't aid somebody, woman, whatever, to be uh, view themselves as a victim, a vic- you know, like the, you're against the world and the guides are all men and they're all misogynistic assholes and, you know, hyper-masculine. That doesn't aid you or other women in trying to become guides. And surprisingly, she actually, uh, <laughs> surprisingly for a woman... Like I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go balls deep on this now. I'm just gonna become a Nazi. I think I'm just gonna. If if everyone keeps thinking I'm a Nazi, and this is this is what happened, I think, in work with working class people in the UK and probably the working class people everywhere in the world, where they were so, were were constantly being called racists. So they were just like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna become a racist." Then you know, even black people, even black people were like, you know, so um. <laughs> I've told that I've I've told this story on here about this taxi driver who once told me that he started voting for the National Front, which were like the sort of white nationalist party, um, and uh, and he said, yeah, and all my black mates would as well if they could. <laughs> that kind of sums up. That kind of sums up this uh, the you know this kind of weird twisted reality we live in. So anyway, but but this person did seem to get my point that I wasn't saying that women are rubbish and the guides are the guides are making it easy for women to be guides um she did actually see my see my point so that was good because it because in a way the point the point that the reverse meaning of what i was saying was no the guides are all misogynistic macho assholes who are stopping women from becoming mountain guides like i think sweden's got like three mountain guides who are women and i think the uk's got 11 and i don't think i don't think many of those are actually working as mountain guides so maybe i think that's what i think i got through to i said like oh maybe you're right maybe the guides are all you know <laughs> all nazis so yes yeah, so that was good it was good maybe maybe i didn't just didn't read it right i often read comments and i, I kind of read because i'm sensitive i kind of read half read them because i just can't deal with the the you know my, the my bandwidth is is not is not great sometimes so so yeah but anyway, anyway but un- unfortunately the whole guide gate has led on to a further thing where i think some people because i used to have like a quite a big instagram account and i deleted it i think i think some people out there thought that defeated the you know the cat patrick and i disappeared somewhere but the guide gate thing seemed to uh, seemed to uh you know like it was like finding bin laden like you know certain people realized i was still around and i was still a dissident and i was still spreading dangerous you know dangerous things about you know <laughs> about being empowered and all that kind of stuff stuff you don't want to 
you know that you'd people are victims all that kind of stuff so yeah so i've had a bit of a i've had a bit of a, a campaign the last since i did the last podcast basically people being notified who who follow me like famous people saying do you realize you follow this person i'm very worried about him he seems to have turned into a nazi and and all this kind of stuff so um which strangely enough and also on like open open forums like the or the you know andy i'm worried about andy kirkpatrick i think he's mentally ill and uh and all that kind of stuff um so so i uh but weirdly i've, I've gained about 500 new followers or something <laughs> since then but unfortunately because of because of this um uh it's made me it's kind of radicalized me it's made me a bit of like f you kind of like you want to see you want to see me radicalized well this is me being radicalized and i so i've done like a whole ton of of mad posts about all sorts of stuff that's that's that would completely turn one of these sensitive uh fragile you know walkistas into make their hair go white or something they they'll probably look like they've been in uh the hanoi hilton for for three years in a you know after reading my instagram posts so so yes that's what happens i've probably lost about 300 followers (laughs) because of that but as I, I often like people i've had a lot quite a lot of emails and messages from people who kind of been very supportive i've not had i've not had any from people being unsupportive they'd probably just unfollow you which is um which is which is interesting because everybody everybody people there's plenty of people who are putting forward an opposite the the narrative like mine's a counter narrative there's lots of people putting forward the narrative uh, all the time so there's plenty of people who people can follow and listen to and agree with and nod and uh you know and clap and salute and uh, goose step and all that kind of stuff but um you know so so you realize that just by being a bit of a, a twat basically which is what i am is it's it, other other twatty people are like oh my god that guy you know he, he's you know he used to be famous or he used to be well known and look he's being a total twat uh i feel i feel happier in my own twattiness now to co- complete you know to carry on uh not saying anything but but in my brain like saying it or screaming or uh you know all that kind of stuff so that's been good someone someone did helpfully give me some recommendations that I should have two different accounts one for all my mad mad stuff and the other stuff other one for all my high quality free uh, content and I kind I did I said it nicely but I was basically like I have to I have to sift through every other person's account telling me about global warming the racial reckoning you know capitalism you know all this kind of stuff um like every everything you know everywhere you look someone's telling you to bloody recycle something so why can't i do do what i want to do and and also i'm not i'm not trying to be popular you might have noticed i'm not trying to be popular i'm not trying to get anyone to follow me i'm not i'm not like follow me everybody you know i'm i'm that's not what that's not my aim and i'm also not a brand and i'm not a business i'm not a uh, some kind of public entity who was trying to get well i could have just go out and buy you know a million 
a million followers for my cycle for my Instagram thing. Hashtag high heel shoe smiley face um, something on fire uh, wheelie bin. Um, so so yeah, I think that people, that's one thing people don't realise. Like we live in this sort of attention economy, but the it's probably mine's like an uh, unattention, like a ADHD economy or something or attention attention focus syndrome accommodate you know so it's so for me it's not right it's not about being popular or it's not even about being right it's about the the freedom to be wrong you know the freedom to just if i if some stupid thought comes into my head why can't i just stick it on instagram like who really cares like i've got about thousand one thousand three hundred followers like who really cares and most of those followers are sex bots saying do you want to see sexy pictures of me in my underwear so there's they, they don't care those people i'm i'm you know I, I keep emailing them but they never reply and um you know so so it's uh it, it doesn't really matter does it like it doesn't like it like it doesn't really matter like today i had, let's have a look on my on my instagram today i was asking like what happened to the the pipe bomber from January the sixth? Like, what happened to him? I'd love to know. You know, so it's, you know, like, does it? Does anybody care? Does anybody care? Like, is I am am I a threat to the world by asking a question like that? Like, what does he really mean? That sounds like a Nazi kind of thing. Does he know this pipe bomber? Is he is he saying is it a conspiracy theory that maybe there wasn't a pipe bomber or you know blah blah blah? So so yeah so so yeah so but I think I basically I remember when I was in New Zealand. And someone said to me, oh, I love your Instagram account. Your Instagram account. This is when I had like a much bigger Instagram account. Like you're just always trolling everybody. And I was like, I'm not trolling anybody. I was like really like shocked. Like how dare you say that? I, didn't even, I don't think I really understood what trolling was. But um, but I, I guess I am. I'm just like trolling all these sort of sanctimonious, puritanical, you know, people who are fragile kind of people. So, so yeah, so. So that's what I'm doing. But anyway, so I, I um so I, I decided to pen this uh this jokey I will get to some climbing stuff in a second. But this was uh I had a picture of um uh Russell Brand. Uh I'm not actually I'm not actually a massive fan of Russell Brand just because I've just because when I used to do work in London I met quite a few people who used to who like worked for Russell Brand. It kind of put me off, but people probably say the same about me, so Anyway, but Russell Brand, give him, give him his due. Like he is not, he's not playing the. He obviously has some sort of fuck you money, sort of saved up somewhere, because <laughs> he's not, he's not. He could be Piers Morgan by now, so ever so it's not. So anyway, so but I, I saw he was on like Fox News. I thought, oh, that is we, that is interesting when you see Russell Brand on Fox News, traitor, class traitor. So um, so I penned this little post. I'll read it out because it's kind of funny because people actually thought it was uh. People actually thought it was true, so if anybody read it, it's not true. So, it's, uh, so this is kind of a spoof of the message that was being sent to to people um, who had any kind of connection to me. Hi, I noticed you follow Russell Brand. I wanted to check if you knew he was on Fox News recently. I'm concerned about his mental health, and perhaps he's struggling with sluggish schizophrenia, depression, or a sense or sense or a sense offending disorder. I'm sure, like you, I've always been a huge fan of Russell Brand's comedy and films and even paid to see Arthur. But recently, he seems to be struggling with his mental health and I think he needs help, or at least for you to stop following him out of compassion. Instead of 
talking about drinking, drugs, shagging and football, which were hilarious. Now it's all lockdowns, COVID, vaccine injuries, the biosecurity state, global elites, 15-minute cities, CBDCs and the WEF, whatever they are. Now he's gone full MAGA and he's spreading far-right talking points like freedom of speech, human rights and anti-war propaganda. Thank God Michael McIntyre stays in his lane and just talks about his wife. Anyway, I'm anxious about Russell's mental health and hope he can get help from the people around him or at least have his ability to make a living dismantled out of compassion. Perhaps he needs an intervention, in brackets, maybe a call to the police hate line and a non-hate crime, hate crime conviction might help. I hear Pfizer is working on a new drug called Prosium 2, which might help Russell to think straight again. And perhaps, but only for his own good and out of love and compassion, maybe a neurosurgical, a neuro, a neurosurgical treatment like a lobotomy. Russell is a big fan of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, after all, so I'm sure um, once he's better, he'll understand what's in everyone's best interest. Sorry to contact you via DM, but I'm just worried about Russell. <laughs> and I signed it. It's, <laughs> it's like it's a German for a good day, and, I, and the, it was it was from the Eric <laughs> Mickey or something, who was like the uh, he was like the top Stasi guy in uh, East Germany. Anyway, so um. So yeah, so so it is. It is kind of uh, it's kind of comical. This whole, this whole world of uh, you know, like this kind of I'm really worried about you kind of uh thing. So yeah, I have a I've seen someone from UK climbing might be monitoring this now, or someone from the, you know, the Neo Stasi. So I I I'm gonna add a um an observation here, which is very controversial. And if you're a woman, pre- prepare yourself because this is. This is some. Um, this is just a, an observation. I have been coming to this conclusion for for a long, long time. Like I've mentioned on this, the problem of like feminizing men and feminize a feminized society, which could be, uh, which sounds like it's going to be a good thing, but potentially it might not be a good thing. And so one thing is when I look at like the this the you know the state of climbing and the state of uh, of science and STEM and all these kind of things, it kind of makes me wonder if the more women involved, the more <laughs> the more trouble there is, because <laughs> the more of all this shit sort of seems to seems to crop crop up. Like when I when I started climbing, there were probably for every ten for every ten men there was like one woman climbing climber, and there was no stuff about you know um, the you know all the all the stuff. You know all the kind of the stuff about stuff. <laughs> you know people just went climbing, but but now it just seems to be lots of stuff and and not so much about climbing. So if you are if you are a woman, you know if you are of the female persuasion and you are entering something like uh, caving or uh, paragliding or something like something that's yet to be fully tainted by this all this political bollocks is uh just stick to just just stick to it maybe women aren't very good at this kind of stuff like you know like you know techie stuff and and all that kind of stuff so maybe they maybe that's why they just create all this fanny and fanny and on to try and you know i don't know it's it's a it's a it's a funny old thing isn't it life so anyway 
So back to the the uh, my my son shall be will probably be waking up soon. He had a he had a he went to bed late. He went to he had a late nap. So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly go over something that I wrote recently for it was actually for um the mountain log, which sounds like a there's a joke in there somewhere. Um, uh, like an Irish mountaineering magazine. Not many magazines left anymore. Well, not not. There's none that will publish anything I wrote because everything I'm sort of, uh, you know, <laughs> blacklisted for everything. So for some reason, for some reason, I don't. I bring it on myself, don't I really? So, um, so yeah. So, uh, so I wrote. I have to write something every few months for this mountain. This magazine, and it's always like. Uh, it's always get an email like Andy, can you write something ASAP for your for this column? And I'm like, oh yeah, I've nearly I've nearly started, and I always have to pull it together, but I don't get paid for it. I just do it out of the kindness of my heart. And so 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 this for this month uh, issue, I wrote something. Um, I had this idea about writing something about sub, um, first aid kits. I know it's very boring, but I'm you know I quite like. I quite like taking a really boring subject and trying to make it interesting rather than an interesting subject and making it boring, which a lot of people are very good at. So um, I can almost, I once wrote an article, it was about um, waterproof zips. And I probably wrote about 800 words on waterproof zips. And the only, the only reason I, wore, I wrote it as, I, as the title was Water Zip Down. <laughs> so I'll drink some tea, hold on. So, um... So yeah, I thought like first aid kits. Now there's something interesting to write about. So um, I actually wrote, I wrote, I wrote a big chunk of it, um, and I give it to him, and he was like, "That's that's crap." So, so I'm like, "It's crap, but it's but it's free." So anyway, so um, I had to write it again because I, I like it's I like it's crap and it's free. Still, asked, it's like we're not talking about the internet here. We're talking about physical magazine. So I rewrote it. So I thought I'd um, I'd probably I'll. Oh, I need to practice my reading, so I thought I'd read it out and see what you see what you think. If you're a, if you get the mountain log and you're gonna you're gonna get this a bit early, so I do apologise. Anyway, um, so it's called the Mountain Survival Kit: An Unconventional and Idiosyncratic (in brackets) or idiotic approach to mountain first aid kits for day trips and expeditions. <laughs> One type of expedition member that always creeps me out perhaps unfairly, is the individual individual who's gone beyond the basic one-day first aid course, the type of thing the Red Cross or St. John's Ambulance run, and instead has invested in a week-long advanced or wilderness first aid course. With the former minimalist training, you can, you can learn how to do CPR, cut some burns, choking, etc. And for less than €100, Euros, it is something everyone should do. So I'm talking there about the Red Cross you know, first aid courses, basic first aid course. Although um, a lot of that stuff, you can just, you can just, you could just like print it on an A4 sheet of paper and stick it on the back of the toilet door and you just learn it that way. With the latter, um, the first the advanced stuff, you learn open heart surgery, brain transplants and limb amputations, or at least that's what you'd imagine when you look through the person's medical kit, or should I say medical luggage. Although such an investment should be saluted, what creeps me out, is that in my experience, such wilderness first aid responders have an almost fundamentalistic fervour for martyrdom, only not theirs, but yours. They cannot wait for someone to get a deep gash so they can stop sewing up bits of chicken and sew up a person instead, or be so close to death 
they can that they require an IV, which, if nothing else, will reduce the weight of their ambulance-sized med kit by a kilo or two. The first time I met one of these first-day jihadis was on a trip to Greenland when it appeared we were so overloaded with food, fuel and kit that we could not even take a book and yet could carry bags of IV, which I pointed out would freeze rock solid as soon as we stepped onto the ice, which they did. I tried to bring this person, who was probably marching around with a stethoscope around their neck, neck. she did have a stethoscope and a, a, a spy remote, a, 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 a spy, a spy, a Google it, it's one of those things that check your pressure in the first aid kits. That I've been on many expeditions, far from help and beyond, and beyond a roll of duct tape, I've never even carried a first aid kit. In the end, we carried it all across Greenland, but when it came to the primary injuries we faced, which were related to skin rubbing against skin and pulled muscles, the first kit, first aid kit supplied nothing, had nothing to offer. At the extreme, you have people like Paul Ramsden, a health and safety professional, a man who's been on more trips than Marco Polo, whose overall view on first aid is to just to take nothing, that your body will deal with the pain long enough for the rescue to get to you. If, the, if it can't, then you'll die anyway. In truth, it tends to carry some hospital-grade pain relief in case you're forced to lay in a tent for a few days with a broken leg and then some low-dose pain relief for toothache, toothache, a common problem in expeditions, probably due to high-sugar drinks and altitude and cold. Stuff and stuff for diarrhoea, although it's best to get it out, and that's it. Such a minimalist pro approach is one which... You, in which you forgo the plastic airway and face shield and just safety pin the per casualty's tongue to their lip. Close to home, and for Irish hills, remember this is for Irish audience, you tend to get a number of first aid kit types. First, you have the majority who don't carry any kind of first aid kit. After all, with a phone, you can just call the Mount Rescue out, right? Then you have the ones who carry a first aid kit they bought from Halfords, but have no clue what's in the bag even though they'll look it around for years on end, just in case. Such people tend to be more of a liability, as this kit gives them a false sense of security, and they will be bewildered when the day finally comes when the kit is needed, and they break the wrapper only to find it contains a warning triangle, a high-vis vest, and a tow rope. Store-bought kits are better than nothing, but they're just a starter for something that's going to work, and... Then you have the people who, as the wilderness as as the wilderness qualified, take it too far and carry a first aid kit that's so heavy and bulky that they end up collapsing due to exhaustion, and someone has to use it to bring them back from the dead or just call them out rescue. Maybe I read Lofty Wiseman's survival handbook too many times as a kid, but I've always approached the first aid kit concept as more of a survival kit, which is a first aid. What is a first aid kit? First, I think you need to to both make your own kit from scratch and to make a kit that solves a myriad of problems. To So repair or keep your body and gear and ambition going forward. First aid kits are always designed to hit the cheapest price point and so making your own allows you to ditch all this fluff and make what you carry, such as which is still minimalist, do what's necessary when necessary. The following is my approach to such a kit as it's just and it's just a guide and although it might although I might make adjustments for a longer trip 
the idea is to just carry all this kit all the time and forget about it until a problem comes up um be that a, a stick be that a tick in your leg a broken head torch a compound fracture no this is not for alpine climbing or multi-pitch climbing where something much smaller would be carried or not but rather for general hill crag use in the uk so how are you with me so far so first thing is a kit pouch so this is what this is what you're going to put all your all your stuff in the kit needs to be in an easily identified robust waterproof roll top bag around one liter in size like made by sea to summit expert life systems etc you will subdivide the contents into zippered, colour-coded ditty bags like tough bags or look on Etsy, linked together and connected to the main bag, and subdivide again using small Ziploc bags. Mark the bag with contact details and add a lanyard and medium-sized wiregate carabiner so it can be secured inside the lid of a pack or a belay or or to a pack in high winds. Um, Add a stuck stuck glow tape to the buckle so you can find it in the dark without a torch. So I'm I'm so you basically want something that's that's going to keep everything completely dry inside your bag, and um, and everything in your bag needs to be in a bag, and everything in those bags needs to be in a bag, if that makes any sense. And you want to sort of divide it into the main your main parts of the of your of your kit really. So when you when you're going to get like your your tweezers or whatever you um you know you don't have to like open the thing it's got all your sewing stuff in there as well um other stuff you might put in there maybe it'd be worth if you're not if you're not got a good memory it would be worth laminating like a card like a lam a, a laminated card doesn't really take any what take any room or put in there but you could put in um like how to do cpr like you could like google you could google how to do cpr um the current the current way to do CPR because it's always changing uh, and print that out stick that on there um just just so you just so you know because like I would say I would say like CPR is probably the most the skill that's probably gonna it's the one skill that a lot of people think they know until it happens like I've been somewhere where someone was was dying and people were doing CPR on them um and you know it's it's not something that you want to be like Am I doing the right thing here? So yeah, so it's uh, so that is a that's a good thing, and uh, yeah, so that's a good. You don't you don't want to do it, don't want it to be too big. You want something like one. Let's imagine Nalgene bottle size or smaller. It's something that you can just go into your bag or into the lid of your rucksack. That's just going to be. You don't have to think about it. Like we, we're not talking about lightweight alpinism on the north face of Makalu here. We're talking about going out in the hills. So everything in here is meant to be sort of light so the contents um so number one emergency bandage aka israeli bandage although the classic bandage has been around for thousands of years and is central and is a central component of first aid kits wrapped in a little crinkly plastic wrapper the modern emergency bandage invented by israeli military medic bernard batanataha batanatan in the 80s should now be viewed as a standard as a standard for all kits Part bandage, part field dressing, designed to be far more effective, applying pressure to a wound and much easier to secure in place due to its elasticity, width and closure bar. The closure gives the user a way to apply extra pressure on a wound or twist it to create a tourniquet. Although you might get, 
Although you might get shot by an irate farmer, such a tactical bandage is very appropriate for the type of messy head or limb injuries outdoor casualties suffer. The design helps keep the bandage in place if you have to get yourself out of trouble and walk off a mountain. Speaking of trouble, an emergency bandage is also much easier to apply to yourself. So you can probably buy an Israeli bandage for about five euros. And if you're gonna buy one, I would buy two. And I would I would open one and I would practice with it just so you know what it is and what it does. And I would, if you're going cragging and you've got your climbing partner, show them what it is, tell them how you open it and all that kind of stuff. And because, uh, you know, it's like a five minutes, like, oh, look at this, I've got this new kind of bandage. And uh, it's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's cool. Because it's basically, uh, it's, almost, it's almost more like, a, it's more almost more like one of those like, I don't know, it's the material, it's like more like a, an elastic knee brace kind of thing. and But it has like a plastic part on it that allows you to let, let, get leverage on the bandage. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just a lot better than, than, than the bandage you would, you would get in a, in a first aid kit, which is, a, you know, it's basically the cheapest thing someone's going to put in a first aid kit. It's almost like a tick box, like bandage, yes. But but the size of the bandage and its ability to to deal with something is not easy. Like if you're climbing on a crag, and like head injuries seem to be fairly common uh, in rock climbing. You're you're climbing a crag, rock comes down, hits someone on the head. If you get a head wound, it tends to bleed quite a lot. Now, if you've got like an Israeli bandage, you can open the plastic, you can pull the bandage out, and within the bandage it's like a field it's more like a field dressing you have uh, some of them have that that kind of is a hemostatic stuff that stops the blood but it's, it's like more like a, a bandage built into like a wound dressing so you can you can get that on and you can you can sort you can cover up the wound wrap the bandage around the the wound quite you know quite quickly um much quicker than much quicker than opening this plastic little plastic bag with this with this bandage in and then trying to find some gauze or some something in your first aid kit, which is bound to just blow away and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, so it's a it's a good it's a good thing to uh, it's a good thing to 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 carry. Um, although twi- although twice the price of a standard bandage, um, uh, ten euros versus five, and I think I know, you can get them cheaper than ten euros. Um, which is why they're not part of a standard first aid kit. These bandages are packed very robustly, so they are ideal for a mountain kit. It will last for approximately eight years. I would get a four-inch version and buy two in order to open one for you and your partner to practice beforehand. So yeah, they're 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 bulkier than a normal bandage, but they're not like they're probably like the size of a packet of cigarettes kind of kind of size. So highly recommended. Burn shields. This is number one. Number two. Any trip that involves using stoves and runs the risk of burns, both directly from the stove itself or from spilt boiling water. Tired people can also set themselves or tents alight or pick up red-hot pans or stoves with bare fingers. In my climbing life, I've seen it all. Having some form of treatment for minor burns is important, so a few small packets of burn shield. So burn shield is almost like a, a gel kind of sort of plaster type kind of thing. And uh, you can get bigger ones, but for the, for your first aid kit, just get like the ten centimeter by ten 
centimeter by 10 centimeter size and maybe maybe carry like you know between two and four or something depending on how big your first aid kit is uh it's kind of handy um for bigger burns you're you, you know you're either gonna die or you're gonna get rescued like some people say it's good to carry cling film um like i've never well you know cling film might have an advantage both for for wounds and for burns but in my never i've never used it my my brain practical brain is that when it come to it you'd probably just find it was all just stuck together and it wasn't going to wasn't going to do anything so um you know that's probably that's anyway um the next thing is 3m trans sport tape there are many kinds of tape you can carry such as paper micropore elastoplast muller fabric tape but transport tape five centimeters by 0.9 meters works best due to being very sticky tough waterproof and breathable this can be used like a makeshift plaster or for securing or for securing a dressing but it will often be used to cover hot spots on your feet or frost nip on your face store in a ziploc bag so yeah so so yeah so every you you generally have um in the past you'd always have to like paper like micropore tape or some kind of paper tape in your in your first aid kit but when you wanted it you'd often find that it was just kind of you couldn't use it it was just it's gone all manky when it comes to like climbing you're probably best carrying some muller tape like sports tape on your harness somewhere like where your heart where your knife is um because that that can be used for like repairing you know you can use you can repair ropes you can use it to secure carabiners short you can use it uh, on your fingers which is what it's most most supposed to be for so having them having that kind of muller tape should be on your harness probably not in your not in your first aid kit uh, tough cut scissors although you can probably use a pen knife if you have a if you have a pen knife or just uh, just if you have a if you have scissors at just 10 grams if you have a knife i don't know having a pair of paramedic scissors comes in very handy get a set with bright colored handles so you can spot them easily on the ground yeah so it's a kind of a luxury having scissors in your first aid kit but um they are they are kind of handy if you do if you if you do need them and uh they're actually quite they're actually quite light these kind of tough cut just tough cut scissors so and then they should be able to cut through your trousers or you know or whatever or cut your toenails or cut your cut your transport tape or you know cut your bandage or whatever so they are they are it's much easier than with a with um with, with trying to do it with a knife or something like a friend of mine he, he broke his ankle in antarctica and when they got to the first aid place in patriot hills they tried to cut his um his uh sportiva olympus mons boots off and he was like kicking them like because it cost him so much money he got to take them off instead so they're kind of they are kind of handy but that might be a luxury depends depends what you think uh wound cleaning carry five alcohol free wipes in a ziploc bag for wound cleaning but add a small plastic bottle or add a small plastic bottle of iodine now iodine you know if you, if you know what iodine is it is actually very 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 useful um so 300 milliliters of iodine, 30 milliliters of iodine is a very small bottle, but you can use it for a lot of things. It's good. You can use it in your in your throat. You can drink it. You can purify water with it. You can do all sorts of things. So this is this has too many 
uses to mention from treating wounds, athlete's foot to nuclear radiation. So yeah, so having some way of like cleaning up a wound is is very handy if you're going to be out for a long time. Now I'm sure I've told that story about once my finger got so infected in Yosemite that it was like I couldn't, well several times I couldn't get my gloves off because my finger was so infected. But anyway, so my finger was so excessive, it was like a big sausage. And there was a guy on our picnic table in the, in the campsite, I was like, what do you think to my finger? He was like a doctor. I said, what do you think to my finger? And he was like, if you don't sort that out, you're going to get, you have to get your finger amputated. <laughs> so I just put, I was like, what, what should I do? What should I do? I was thinking, I have, to get, I have to use some serious first aid kind of stuff, go to the, the hospital. And he said, just wash it with soap. And I did, and it got better. So yeah, so keep keeping your your wounds, depends where you are. Some places it's more important than others. Like in Yosemite, it's important because a lot of ledges and cracks are covered in like bacteria from like people weeing and all that kind of stuff. You could wee on it as well. That's the one thing. That's one thing you can do if you have a an injury. Just wee on it if you got like a. It's quite good. Uh, dressings uh, carry two sterile ten centimeters by ten centimeter dressings in a Ziploc bag. Ideally, make one a uh, quick clot style hemostatic dressing impregnated with coagulant. The latter style of dressing is highly desirable with a head wound, as you tend to get a lot of blood. So yeah, often you often you'll have you get first aid kits and just be full of all these dressings. Like like if you if you're gonna need them, if you're gonna use like you're not gonna ever use loads of dressings at once, you know. So if you use them, you can just replace them. So don't don't, don't fill your first aid kit full of all these dressings. Plasters, a strip of water-resistant elastoplast band-aid to cut to size, plus a mixture of waterproof plasters, including opposite waterproof plasters, often used by tattoo artists, and compede. So opposite are like those, they're kind of like a, they're quite a, they're quite a big like waterproof uh, plaster that are, like I've used those for like sea kayaking, they're quite good. In sea kayaking, you often get this weird thing where you get loads of blisters on your, on your skin. Um, which is really really weird, and I had it in Chile. You want to sea kayaking in Chile? Your whole, all your fingers get covered in blisters. So you have to kill. It's something to do with the salt and the UV or the water and the UV light. So then you have to wear um, egg gloves all the time. Um, you could. You, it's kind of worth having maybe having some rubber gloves in your in your first aid kit. Uh, like if you're gonna, maybe not like maybe maybe potentially use something like um, more like bike bike um rubber gloves for, for mending bikes something a bit tougher than medical ones because you might have to you might have to put the gloves on and use them for something else they're actually, they're also quite good for setting on fire if you have to light a, if you have to light a fire if it's all wet and horrible so so pain medication so you see like we haven't got a lot of first aid stuff in there so this is the pain pain med medication paracetamol in brackets panadol should be your standard over-the-counter OTC uh, relief for pain, colds and fever, as it has the least side effects, which is important if you're giving pain meds to someone else. Uh, ibuprofen. That's why if you ever if you ever actually go up to like a St. John's ambulance person, if you're at somewhere and actually do have an injury and you've been seeing someone from St. John's sitting there for the last 20 years every time you've been somewhere, they often won't give you anything because it's, they're not like, because they're afraid of being sued. But if they give you, if they were to give you something, they'll probably give you paracetamol because uh, some people might like freak out or go mad or die if you give them something else. Ibuprofen, in brackets, neurofen, being an anti-inflammatory is often recommended for muscle pain, but I would only use it 
if the pain has to be relieved in order to get down in brackets such as shin pain otherwise your body's inflaming for a reason so leave it codeine is the strongest otc over the counter pain relief you can get and will be combined with paracetamol tramadol so so you're not going to get just pure codeine you're going to get a tablet that's like a mixture of codeine and paracetamol which i think is maybe 10 20 percent codeine whatever i think it's actually quite hard to get some of these now because so many people are addicted to codeine and all these kind of things that it's quite hard, actually quite hard to get from the from a from a pharmacy if you want the strongest otc pain relief you can combine variations of paracetamol ibuprofen and codeine paying attention not to double dose with paracetamol so not panadol and tramadol does that make sense so if you were to say like i'm going to take panadol neurofen and tramadol you're actually taking a double dose of paracetamol because panadol and tramadol have paracetamol in them uh, I haven't included aspirin aspirin in, in here. I just ignore aspirin. Um, if you want heavy duty, um, if you want heavy duty drugs such as opioids, you should have some form of appropriate first aid training, such as a wilderness a wilderness first aid certificate. Um, uh, does that make sense? Like, don't you don't want to be like carrying this stuff uh on a trip unless you really know what it's what it's doing what are the effects and uh and everything else it's not it's not good um ziploc along with a, lam a laminated card detailing all the dosages of the meds because sometimes you might be on a you might be somewhere as a, as a child and you need to give them something for you know they might smash the teeth or whatever you might have to give them some of your medical some of your some of your meds from your first aid kit and if you don't know what you should be giving a child, like some, like I can't remember what it is now, but you, you know, some things you don't want to be giving children. So it's uh, it's worth knowing. I'll just take a massive big bottle of, uh, of um, what's that stuff all the kids have? Uh, what does my son always say? I want some uh, Benelin, not Benelin, any one of those things. Um, next, bad guts. Carry a sheet of water purification tablets and modium if the ger for if the germs get in. Catadin, Micropore, MP1 is the most effective tabs, but they're expensive. So a cheaper chlorine dioxide tab, Life Systems or Portable Aqua are better for emergency use. Two diorite sachets come in handy for sickness or if you get heat injuries like heat exhaustion or sunstroke. And all that goes in a Ziploc bag as well. So if you were if you were like if you were like on Mount Kenya, you'd want the Catadin Micropore tablets. But if you're just getting water out of a um, if you get water out of a, a bog, you know, say you're up high and you're absolutely dying of thirst, and there's a a boggy pool of water, which is there's a lot of them in Ireland, then you would use the uh, something cheaper. Um, you always want to get rid of if you're ever getting stuff out of bogs and general mountain pools. Um, you always want to be you always want the water to be kind of clean already, so you can always um, filter it through something else before you put it into into something else. So you can f filter it through like your you know a t-shirt or something or some some kind of fabric like your buff or something to get any any lumpy bits out. Um, again, it might it might be worth put on your zip on your on your card in this thing that's got all these details might be worth putting including you know like how long you should have the 
the the tablets in the water for it to for it to work. Uh, cream, Savlon cream, and uh, fifteen grams, and Glide anti chafe cream, twenty two grams. Like like anti chafe cream is quite expensive, so you might be able to just put something else on, but it is much more effective than like Vaseline or something. You could put a little tin of Vaseline in, uh, and I think uh, like chafing is quite a big issue on longer trips, uh, expedition kind of trips. So hardware, uh, carry a few medium size safety pins, which can be used as pins when sewing as well, plus one nappy and one kilt pin, as these have multiple uses, especially if the zipper busts on your jacket, sleeping bag or tent. Is that, so nappy and uh, nappy pins and kilt pins are just much bigger versions of uh, safety pins and are less likely to, to like pull apart under strain. Um, sterile, individ individually wrapped, carry a sterile or a couple of sterile, individually wrapped surgical blades. Uh, like a surgical blade is much better at cutting something, you know, a fine cutting um, than, a, than a pen knife is. Like a pen knife is not going to cut anything, any like skin type stuff. Uh, a tick remover, either card or tweezers, um, and Victorinox micro tweezers and a toothpick. Like it. A toothpick is actually quite important if you're on a long trip because if you get food stuck in your teeth, you, it's actually a good way of ending up with like a, a gum infection. So it's you, you could also include um, floss in there, but you should. This is not really including like you know, it's not including like toothpaste and stuff. Like LED light in terms of survival and accident rescue avoidance, a light source is one of the best tools in your armory. Carrying the smallest but most effective mini LED light in your kit is recommended. This can act as a backup to your partner's light if it gets broken or lost or a dead battery, but it's also at hand if you need to find items in your kit in the dark. The Petzl E-Light, 26 grams, or Black Diamond Flare, 27 grams, are ideal choices or go for a non-head touch micro keychain design like the Princeton Tech Pulsar, 7 grams, or Atom Light, 5 grams. You can also get one that's um, it's probably cost less than five quid. It's like a it's like round with a LED on it, um, which is also very very small. Probably weighs seven grams as well, and carry a spare battery as well. Like are these the small pen small LED ones, which like size are almost about a slight thumb size. They're like flat. Um, they will last. They will last for quite a long time. Uh, enough to get down and like several times in my climbing life I thought I was going to get benighted because something had happened to my head torch or we had no head torch so having some form of light in your bag is highly highly recommended it would it will save your ass one day now this is another unconventional one fire steel a lot viewed as a bushcraft as bushcraft kit for bearded men who hang out in the woods a micro ferro ferro rod this one, the one I was t I'm talking about here is 30 millimeters by 4.5 millimeters, and it weighs 0 0.01 grams. Can be stuck, can be struck with a ceramic razor blade to create a spark that will light both gas or petrol stoves. This will save your bacon when your lighter is wet, fire steel works wet or dry, or if you're not, even if you're not cooking bacon. <laughs> The ceramic razor can do anything a razor can, but it will not rust due to their tiny size. Join both of them with a short length of bright cord. So um, you're gonna have to for one of these. You're gonna have to go on some wacky, um, some kind of like alt right website 
um survival prepper website there's in the uk i can't think what they're called but there are some in the uk there's lots in america as you can imagine so a ceramic so a ceramic razor blade is just exactly same as a razor blade um but i say it doesn't rust but it does that like having uh, for some reason i don't know what it is because i'm not a bushcraft person but some things will work with a, a ferro rod to create a create a spark but some but something some things won't i don't know what it is like a pen knife sometimes won't work but like this but anyway a, a ceramic razor blade does work so and that the weight of this is like we're talking like zero two grams it doesn't weigh anything and having been on many a trip where all the when nothing would light the stove, like all the all the lights stopped working, all the matches got wet. Um, you know the 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 the, the sparker on the jet boil didn't just stop working. It really is like it is the end of your trip if you can't get your stove to work. So this tiny little thing is an absolute lifesaver. So sewing kit, needle needle threader, uh, which is one of those little plastic things that you stick through the the needle to, to pull a thread through doesn't weigh anything be useful for something else you can use it to as a stove pricker um several needles number seven embroidery and number 18 needles or sail repair needles in a sewing needle tube like a little tube a bit like those um you can use those little things as well mechanical pencils uh the the, the, the lead where, the, where you get the spare lead in those little tubes they actually work quite well as well um uh, rubber thimble like thimbles are kind of useful if you if you're doing heavy duty sewing two buttons small strip of velcro a patch of fleece extra strong thread on a machine bobbin so sewing machine bobbins are really tiny little bobbins that you that you can use they're very good uh, odds and ends um a cut down spoke um spoons are magic they just disappear so that's kind of self-explanatory you'll often on it on any trip you're going to lose your spot your fork or your spoon so having a spoon, like a bit of a spoon in your in your first aid kit, is actually kind of helpful. You probably use it for something else. Um, pencil wrapped in gaffer tape. Uh, it's good to have something to write on, and it's good to have to write something right with. Um, so heat. You can heat the tape. The heat the so heat the heat the tape over a flame to make air mat patches. So if you get a, if you get a puncture in a in a in a thermorest, which you often will and you'll often it'll often happen when you have no fest and have no repair kit is what you do is you you, you create a you know, ideally make a, sm a smallest patch like an inch size patch and you will hold it over the over the uh, the flame of a stove until it starts to starts to melt and starts to get all molten then you're going to stick it onto the hole and then let it dry let it let it cool down and then you can do the same with a with a with a larger one. Stick that on the stick over the top of the other one, and and etc. Until it until you've got like an effective like it not might not be a hundred percent effective, but it's a lot more effective than having nothing on there. Um, uh, what else? Uh, writer's Rain notebook three by two, tiny little notebook like tiny. It's got like ten pages in it, really really tiny. But you can write on it when it's it doesn't it won't get wet, which is which is useful. Now like. Yeah, like again, like having my experiences, there are a lot of places where you have to write a note to somebody. Like, we've gone down, um, you know, we was we've we're bivvied here, or you know, forgot this, blah blah blah. There's a lot of reasons why you need to leave a note for somebody that can be really really important. So having a notebook is is very good. Um, five meters of 
uh, number 36 black bank line and five meters of 1.18 micro Kevlar cord wrapped on a card spool. So bank line is kind of like much thinner version of, um, of like paracord. Um, you could, is it thinner than one mil cord? Anyway, but it is, it's kind of, it's kind of useful. It's useful to have cord for all sorts of reasons. And, uh, and the Kevlar cord is, is just kind of, you could just have the Kevlar cord, like five meters of Kevlar cord. And, uh, and a card stool is like a credit card piece of plastic and just wrap it around that. One meter of 550 cord, which is like power cord, which um, you're going to use that as a spare shoelace or, or for cord, cordy stuff. Uh, mini signal mirror used for tick hunting and checking skin frostbite damage. Or you could use it as a signal mirror. Um, eight centimeter hacksaw blade, which is like a hacksaw's blade the size of your finger. Usually you'd have it in a piece of, uh, you'd keep it in something, a piece of, um, what do you call it? Shrink wrap. You'll, you'll see that if you go on a, a wacky woo website where they sell um, feral rods and stuff, you'll find that it's like a, but it, but a hacksaw is uh this is, that's more for expedition kind of stuff, but it's surprising how you often need to cut something and you'll find that the, you know, unless you've got a pen knife with a saw on it, um, it's actually quite, quite useful. Like for, for a proper expedition, you would you would add a lot more stuff in here. You'd probably add um, some sort of epoxy glue. You'd you'd add all sorts of extra things. A pair of earplugs. It's always good to have earplugs uh, for various reasons. Um, uh, a whistle, a little whistle, a stove pricker. You could put a an MSR um, stove tool as well in there. Uh, a couple of zip ties. Um, I'd also include maybe some strimmer strimmer cable for using for use with uh mending cams mending the, tr the triggers on cams for um uh expedition kind of stuff and that they can also be used you can also set fire to them if you're lighting a like a fire and it's all wet uh on an expedition i would include a small multi-tool like a gerb and dime as well as a small file allen key spare crampon bale etc micro Kevlar cord wrapped in a card spool. Already got that. Um, uh, yeah, so that's all. That's, that's all there. So I had I had an interesting an interesting response. So that's that's the basic. That's basically it. That's that was that was. But the idea is you you have a kit that isn't just this thing that lives in your bag and you never use it. It's more like uh, it's it's more like something you might use quite often when you go when you go out. It's like oh, I've, uh, you know, well, I haven't got a tin opener. You can get a thing. It's called like a. It's something like a. Basically, it's like an Australian army spoon. It's called like a ridiculous eating device, and it's a cross between one of those army tin openers, which are actually quite a useful thing to have in your in your kit. Maybe think about getting one of them. But it's got a spoon built into it. But it's like a really tiny spoon. But it you could use it. So that's maybe. It's worth like looking into the whole wacky woo survival world and see what stuff, you know, that might might, might apply. Um, anyway, so I'll read, I'll read this and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to finish because I think my son will be waking up in a minute. Um, uh, so this is from Justin. Great post, Andy. Refreshing. A couple of years ago, I was cragging next to a guy who took a nasty groundfall. He was very lucky as his injuries weren't life changing or ending, but he was knocked out, bleeding, and in bad shape. 
His partner had just finished a Wilderness Fest responder course the week prior and after the fall went to full first aid algorithm mode. The partner was borderline panicking but did a fine job and, all, and we all stabilised the guy and rolled him off his harness full of cams. I was in a mat rescue team for 10 years and in my experience there's basically nothing you can do without ALS, advanced kit and drugs. You simply have to wait for rescue. I tried to calm the partner down explaining he was doing great and that and that we just had to wait. Once the rescue arrived there was a doctor who took control of me of medical. The partner talked to the doc and said damn I forgot to check for battle sign to which the doc said so what? What could you have done? It's really disempowering, but I wish more people understood that victim, that accident victims in remote settings are either stable or going to die. In my years on the team, we only had three subjects who were truly on the edge. In two cases, the only reason they survived is because we immediately had a helicopter that flew us in and a patient out. The third died during transport while we were in, while we were in brutal conditions at night. Every other victim was either miserable or already dead as it, as it simply takes a long time for help to arrive. It wouldn't surprise me if this story is a bit different in Europe. I'm in the US where the travel times for helicopters are incredibly short and therefore fast and the rescue services are well class. I hope you have some good points. I, 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 blah, blah, blah. Um, I think what did I reply? Uh Thanks, Justin. It's a great insight. I have a friend who had his arm ripped off by a boat propeller, well, twisted off, and he went and he went a pretty long time without pain meds before he saw a professional. In fact, he said he didn't feel anything until the surgeon poured ice onto his stump. Um, he had his arm sewn back on. Also, I have a friend who wrapped down El Cap with a missing finger. Oh, and you've got Joe Simpson and Doug Scott crawling down mountains to survive. I'm not sure if I included it in the piece, but I once got a nasty burn on my thumb after picking up a frying pan that was very hot. I thought the stove was off, but it but it had a slight flame still, and and thought it might be trip ending. It really hurt. All I did was put my hand in a pan of water straight away and slept with it in the pan until morning. And somehow the thing was 100% better. I think the aim of such a first aid kit is really a patch up kit that aims to carry out makeshift repairs. So you can either get down without doing too much damage or give the illusion of control. But really, when it comes to an accident, it's all down to one's ability to be stoical about it. So, yeah, so there you go. Um, some uh, Something to think about. Uh, I don't know if anybody, does anybody carry first aid kits? Do you know what's in it? Have you ever used it? Uh, did you just buy it off the internet? Um, I, definitely, I definitely think... Starting with a blank blank slate, up get your first aid kit, look through it. Let's all get rid of all the stuff that doesn't work anymore because it's out of date or it's all stuck together, and then just just make something that's like practical, pragmatic, um, multifunction, and is going to, um, you know, it's gonna it's gonna make your life easier and solve problems. Maybe it's not a survival kit. Maybe it's more like a kind of problem solving kit, really. Um, yeah, so there's also there's like so much information on the internet and uh, books and stuff about, you know, what what to have. But you always have to remember that you're not a professional first aid person. You're an amateur, 
So you really want, you know, you're you're not a you know, you're not a trained body, human body repair technician. You're just someone who's there. It's like when you get a you know, you can you can change the tires of a you know a, 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 a flat tire on a car, but you can't drain the oil or or whatever. So it's same same with people really, and a lot of it is um, having been in some accidents with people. A lot of it is just down to staying calm. That's the most important thing: is not to freak out, not to panic. You know, even the person's going to die. It doesn't it doesn't help them to to know it, <laughs> even if they know it anyway. But um, you know, just just be calm and don't make a, don't make a bad situation worse by doing something crazy. Like I'm just going to solo off down here. I'm just going to solo up here. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to lower you down here. <laughs> You're like, don't make it worse. Just try and stop, think about it, make a plan. You know, do it. And um, so yeah, that's 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 some advice. Uh, you know, have a have a have some um have a cigar in your first aid kit and just get out and just like have a little smoke make a cup of tea have a think about it like right yeah that bone is sticking out of your leg that's not that's not good you know it's ruining you ruining the you know the line of your trousers so yeah so um, yeah humor is 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 probably the best form of medicine (laughs) unless you've got asthma um steve coogan joke that one Anyway, so I shall leave you now. I shall go and see if my son is awake and uh, and uh, anyone who has been anyone has being nice to me recently and telling me to that I'm not mad. I do appreciate it. Like I um, I do appreciate it. Like I do. I don't want to be mad. I want to be helpful and useful to to the world. So, um, so yeah. So until next time, and I am I am working towards my uh, my my other my other podcast i shall be i just need to draw a picture to go on the on the thing but i've not got around to it yet i've got some funny funny takes for, of the about the world on my uh on my other podcast that's coming coming soon so anyway stay safe and uh <laughs> and don't be a nazi